I heard this story of a middle-aged man who'd actually never got married. He'd been disappointed many times, but he'd, he'd dated several people through his life. And uh, somebody asked him, what, what was the problem? Why did you never marry? So he said, well, every time I got serious with a girl, he says, and we were dating, he says, I would take her home to meet my mother. Uh, but my mother didn't like any of them. So I never got married. But then he said, in later life, uh, I met this lady and she was the spitting image of my mother. So he says, I, I took her home to meet my mother. And well, what happened? Well, my dad didn't like her. <laughs> I thought that was good. <laughs> By the way, that was great worship, wasn't it? That's my connect group leader. I'm proud of him. Yeah, so um, we're going we're gonna to look at intercession this morning. And um, it's always good, you know, to... Read books, there's many books that have been written about intercession. And uh, I picked a, a great book up on intercession just the other week. Uh, it's called Zero Gravity, and I've not been able to put it down. That one was worthy of Riverside News, that, wasn't it? I could have sold that one. <laughs> anyway, let's just pray. Father, we thank you and we bless you for your love to us. And we pray this morning that you will presence yourself in our midst as we've already sensed that, oh God, that you will open up hearts, open up your word and let your hand be upon us today. We thank you and we bless you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, Pastor Aaron has been talking over the last couple of weeks on uh, basically the language of prayer. And uh, he started with thanksgiving. And uh, last week we looked at worship, which are all part and parcel of prayer and intercession coming into the presence of God. And let's always remember that, um, you know, in John chapter 4, Jesus actually said, the Father seeks those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. So I, I kind of look at it like this as we're worshiping God. God's God's not wanting to hold back from us. He's seeking us. He's, he's coming to us. He loves it. it. It attracts him. And as the church worships together, there's something attractive to heaven. That's when God really presences himself in our midst. The Bible talks about prayers, supplications, intercession, prayers being requests, supplications being requests with kind of humility and intercession is, is where we 
where the intercessor really stands between two parties that are at variance, like a mediator, uh, an advocate. So to be an intercessor, it's to stand in the middle, if you like, and to begin to intercede for people, for the nation, for the church, etc. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1, the Apostle John says these words, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. We have an intercessor. We have someone who stands in the gap, if you like. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 7, 24 and 25, it says these words. But he, Jesus, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for us. Well, that's pretty good, isn't it? Is we've got a continual intercessor. But let me just um, say this. It may surprise some of you when I say this, but Jesus is not praying for you in heaven. That's gone quiet now, hasn't it? That's really gone quiet. Uh, I, don't, I don't believe he is. Now, I'll, I'll show you why. The Bible says he ever lives to make intercession for us by the fact that he has paid for our sins. He shed his blood. The book of Hebrews says he has appeared before God with the blood of the everlasting covenant on our behalf. And the fact that he is in heaven at the Father's right hand. He's, he's done everything the Father wanted and longed for and planned and will before the foundation of the world. The fact that the Savior who shed his blood and bore his stripes that we may be healed is in the presence of God for us. He doesn't have to pray. He is our intercessor. When God looks at him and he sees us, he is our redeemer. Amen. Now, just to back that up, let me just quickly say this. In John chapter 16, verse, verse uh, 26, when Jesus is explaining to the disciples that, that basically this coming a day when he's going to leave them, he's going to send the Holy Spirit upon them, and he's trying to break the news to them that he's not always going to be around, but he is going to go back to his Father in heaven. And this is what John 16, 26 says. He says, the day is coming when they will, they will ask in his name. I do not say that I shall pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you. So he's teaching his disciples there's coming a day when they will pray in the name of Jesus to the Father. And the Bible says... He says, I do not say that I shall pray for you. He doesn't need to. He's already prayed for us. He's always already paid the ultimate sacrifice for our sins upon the cross. Now, let me just um, mention quickly that it might also surprise you that in this country, 
During the period of 1940 to 1944, there were actually, the, the, the nation was called to seven national days of prayer. That was during the war years. And I don't have to go in, I don't have time to go into all that happened during those years, but the nation came together with national days of prayer because of the war that was uh, threatening our land. In 1940, let me just read you this one. Britain was still a country, a Christian country. In fact, every soldier that uh, was issued, that, that went into the ministry, ministry or military was offered a copy of the Gospels inscribed with these words, we commend the Gospel of Jesus Christ our Savior for it alone can effectually mold character, conduct and solve the problems of men and nations, etc., etc. But let me read you in 1940, the first national day of prayer, May 1940, the entire British army was trapped in France and circled by the Germans. No escape. The forecast was for storms in the English Channel, impossible to send ships to the rescue. But in answer to prayer, Hitler halted his advance and God turned the Channel into a mill pond. Every vessel that could uh, float crossed the still waters and most of the British army, 335,000, got home. That's in answer to prayer. The fourth day of prayer was held on the 23rd of March 1941 when it was not known that Hitler had chosen that date for his next invasion. In answer to this prayer, an earthquake below the Atlantic seabed threw his ships 80 miles off course and, and, and channel storms forced him again to in, abandon the invasion. That's because the nation began to pray. Uh, I want to say to you this morning that I believe that we're in a strategic time I really do, not just for the church, but for the whole nation. And when you think about what we've gone through with COVID and church doors being closed and yet live streams and YouTube and, uh, and uh, all kinds of media inventions that the church got into in those days, uh, the, 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 the nation has actually heard the gospel more than it would if the church had been open. And so churches are carrying on that ministry and people are hearing, seeing, watching and the word of God has been sown into many, many hearts. All we need now is for it to be watered, for the church to rise up and pray and intercede. I do believe, I really do believe that we're in for an awakening. So God is on the move, I think Some of you may be aware of a prophecy that Smith Wigglesworth prophesied way back in 1947. Some of you have read his books. But let me just give you the last few lines of a, prof a prophecy that Wigglesworth gave before he died. 
He says, when the word and the spirit, the word of God and the Holy Spirit come together, there will be the biggest move of the Holy Spirit that the nations and indeed the world has ever seen. It will mark the beginning of a revival that will eclipse anything that has ever been witnessed within these shores. Even the Wesleyan and Welch revivals of former years. The outpouring of God's spirit will flow over from the United Kingdom to mainland Europe. And from there will begin a missionary move to the ends of the earth. When we were worshipping this morning, did you, did you sense the presence of God? This is what I felt God was saying. That some of you are going to be transformed by the presence of God. The Spirit of God is going to come upon you in your family altar times, in your personal devotional times, as you wait upon God, as you listen to Him, as you begin to intercede. And many of us are going to be transformed from glory to glory and faith to faith. And from the presence of God will come an awakening and a move of God. Even within the churches and within this church, God is going to break through and we're going to find times. Because we're praying and seeking God, we're going to find times when the presence of God is so real that we won't know what to do next. That's what I believe God is doing. That's what I believe he's saying. And that's what I believe we're on the verge of. A breakout and a breakthrough of the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? Amen. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Solomon gave this great promise way back in the Old Testament. 2 Chronicles 7.14 when he said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will heal their land. And so that was a promise to Israel way back in the Old Testament. I think it still stands true today. So this is how strategic it is if we can take this to heart, that what we're talking about when we're talking about Prayer and intercession. It's not something just to be uh, a mental, intellectual, uh, actual experience. It's something that God wants to bring every one of us into. Don't just put it down to some people have the ministry of intercession. We're all called to intercession. We're all called to stand in the gap. And I believe as the church does right throughout the nation, we're going to see an awakening. Because not only has COVID tried to destroy the church, the devil always oversteps his mark, by the way. And then we've got the economy and people are wondering whether to heat their homes or eat at the table. And so churches are opening up for uh, warm spaces and all kinds of different things that are happening. But, but, but listen to me, when the nation's in trouble, that's... That's the opportunity for the church. And you look at some of the revivals. It's not been when everything's been going great. It's been when people have got some need that they turn to God. That's why it's so important for us today to take to heart what we're actually saying. Now let me just say this. I want you to understand that God does want to answer your prayers. Amen. 
I think he really does. And when I look at the scriptures, let me just give you a few. In 1 John 5, 14 and 15, it says, This is the confidence that we have with him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Right? John 15, 7, If you abide in me, Jesus said, and my words abide in you, shall ask what you will, and it shall be done for you. That gives me the impression that God actually does want to answer prayer. James 5, 15, The prayer of faith will restore the one who is sick. It's amazing, when you look at that scripture in James 15, and then James goes on to talk about Elijah, who was praying for rain on the mountain, and he puts his head between his knees and sends his servant to the edge of the cliff. Have a look if there's any sign of rain. Seven times his servant went. This is Elijah interceding. Now, when it says the prayer of faith will save the sick, when it talks about having being anointed by the elders, James backs that up by saying, talking about Elijah. In other words, it's not just a one-off prayer but to bring people through into health sometimes it takes continual intercession not giving up do you understand what I'm saying good in Luke 11 Jesus said these words ask and you shall receive seek and you will find knock and it shall be open to you so that's pretty clear it does want to answer our prayers. And I know we have to pray according to the will of God. But in Luke chapter 11, Jesus' disciples come to him and they said, teach us to pray. Not many people actually come to somebody else these days and say, teach us to pray. They may say, teach us to preach, teach us to do this, teach us to do that. But, but Jesus' disciples came and asked would you teach us to pray? Obviously, they'd, they'd listened to him. They'd seen his manner of life. They'd heard his prayers. And they said, would, would you teach us to pray? And he tells them a story. You're familiar with it, most of you, about the man who had gone to bed. His friend comes at midnight on a journey, knocks on his door, and uh, the, the guy goes down stairs whatever and opens the door he finds he's got no bread he says, but hang on I'll go across the way and I'll knock on the door of my friend by the way it's midnight so it's not the, the nicest thing to do but Jesus tells this story he says and because he kept knocking and the the authorized uses this word importunity he said eventually because he kept knocking and he wouldn't give in his friend comes with a loaf of bread and says take that please let me get back to bed and he gives and sometimes we get the impression this is god not really wanting to answer our prayers but and jesus taught that story to show them a principle and the the english word for importunity basically means to persevere, to keep going, to not give in. But the Greek word has a slightly different slant on it when it actually talks about not just importunity in the sense of not giving up, but it talks about importunity having this 
this uh, kind of slant of brashness, boldness, um, you know, un, unhindered in any way. In other words, Jesus is saying to his disciples, when you come and pray to the Father, I want you to come with boldness, believing that this same God wants to answer your prayers. Amen. So the question that often in this great mystery of prayer is, how long do we keep praying for something? The Apostle Paul said these words to the Galatian church. He said in Galatians 4.19, My little children of whom I travail again in birth for you. Travail is over a period of time. In fact, many of the mothers here, in fact, all of the mothers here, will know what travail is. Right? Perhaps many of the men don't. <laughs> because you've never given birth to a baby. But the mothers have. And some of, us, some of us men, the only, the nearest we've got to travel is by watching Call the Midwife on a Sunday night, 8 o'clock. Don't call me between 8 and 9. I'll be watching Call the Midwife. You know, in the days when they pushed the baby out in the pram and they left them outside the front door. No, no worries about the baby not being there when they got there. I like, anyway, never mind. That's a little aside. But travel is over a period of time. And what we have to basically understand is that Paul was saying to this Galatian church, I've traveled for you once. I'm traveling again. I'm interceding. I'm praying. The Bible talks about praying in the spirit, praying with groans that cannot be uttered. And sometimes we wonder, how long do we have to keep praying? I just want to share this with you, that a number of years ago, when Val's dad was alive, he was the pastor of a, a church in Lee in Lancashire, and um, he had to go into hospital for a major heart operation. The, the main aorta valve had to be uh, replaced and he was taken into Withenshaw Manchester Hospital for this operation it actually lasted 17 hours the surgeon was so tired halfway through he had to go and rest before he could carry on and it was late at night and uh, we were calling the hospital we were staying over at Val's mum's and uh, the doctor said we're, we've, it, we've done the operation but but we're having trouble start restarting his heart. If you know anything about heart operations, the heart is stopped. And um, <clears throat> I should know that I've gone through it. He said, we're having trouble starting his heart. And so Val and I, because it was really late at night, mum didn't know anything about this, we were praying. And we prayed for several hours, seeking God. And, you know, there came a point in that evening that we just felt 
it's happened. It, it's done. We're through. And we said, we both said at the same time, I'm, I'm sure this is, everything's okay. And we just slept downstairs on the couch and the chair and, and just an hour or two later, the, the doctor called us from the hospital and said, your, your, your dad is, is coming through. We've restarted the heart. We th- feel he's going to be fine. And he was. He went back to ministry and pastoring the church and so on. All I'm saying is there are times when you're interceding that you will know when it's happened. You'll have an assurance in your heart. I could tell you a funny story, but I, I don't have time for that this morning relative to our church up in Ulverston when we were praying for a building, but maybe some other time. But, but the thing is, when God gives us a word, then we have to pray that, really pray that through. It's the same with, with um, you know, Wigglesworth's prophecy, with other things that have been said, maybe promises that we've had given to us in our own particular lives, we have to pray them through. When, when Daniel realizes from the, from the writings of Jeremiah that Israel was going to be captive for 70 years in Babylon, he began to pray. See, when, when we're dealing with God, he sees the past, present, and future all at the same time. When he gave Abraham a promise, he said to Abraham in Genesis 17, Abraham, I have made you the father of a multitude. Not I will make you, I have made you. In God's eyes, Abraham was the father of a multitude. What he had to do was to bring Abraham to the point of faith where that promise could be activated and come to pass. When God gives a prophecy or a promise to us, it's already done. But he wants to bring us through to the point where it comes into being. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so what does Jeremiah, what does Daniel do? He begins to pray. It's a partial fast. He ate no pleasant food. He's praying for three weeks until an angel comes and says, Daniel, listen to this, folks. Daniel, he says, from the very first day you prayed, Daniel 10, 12, your prayer was heard and I have come for your words. God is wanting to break through, folks. He's wanting to come for our words. Amen. And so Daniel doesn't just read Jeremiah's prophecy and think, well, this will come to pass. He says, he reads the prophecy, he believes the 70 years of captivity, but he's now going to pray that into being. Do you you understand what I'm saying? So So that Daniel is busy interceding and praying. Now what you see in that story is this simply, and I'm closing in one sec. I don't know what second, but one sec. He's praying and he's interceding. And there's a war in heaven. There's a clash of two kingdoms. (laughs) There's a clash of two kingdoms. One is the power of darkness. The other is the kingdom of heaven. Amen? And so when Daniel's praying, something's happening in the heavens. Listen, folks. The problem is not having our prayers heard. 
It's having our prayers come back to earth. And that's where we have to travel. That's why we have to intercede. That's why we stand in the gap. That's why we become the advocate. That's why we become the intercessor. In order to bring it to pass into our reality. Now let me just... Let me just close. I'm going to read you these few verses from Ephesians chapter 3. These verses actually challenge me to the core. And this is Paul's prayer. He says in chapter 3.15, The whole family in heaven and earth is named according to the riches of his glory. This is what he's praying. He says, For you to be strengthened with might through his spirit, in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what's the width, length, depth and height and to know the love of God or the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I want you to catch a principle here that, that's just kind of lodged in my heart just recently. And then he says these words, Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly, above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that works within us. Paul's praying a prayer. And here's the secret. He says, I want you to understand the great love of God and be grounded, rooted in love so that with all the saints you, are, you can actually comprehend and understand this knowledge which humanly passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. If we want to go into that verse 20 and, do the ex, and, and experience the exceeding abundant things, then we've got to understand that when we come into the presence of God, we're not coming intimidated. We're not coming with our heads down. We're coming because we understand and know that the God that called us and the God that saved us and the God who died for us and rose again and actually redeemed us is the one who's bidding us come into his presence and he actually loves us. Let me just finish with these scriptures. Do you realize the love of God? Let me show you what he's done. He chose you before the foundation of the world, Ephesians 1:4. He commissioned his Holy Spirit to chase us down and convict us, John 16:8 to 11. He brought us to a spiritual birth, John 3.3. 3. He placed his spirit into our hearts, Romans 8.15. He quickened and made alive us, you and me, Ephesians 2 verse 1. His thoughts are towards us, Jeremiah 29.11. His angels guard us, Psalm 91.11. He causes all things to work together for our good, Romans 8.28. He promises never to leave us or forsake us, Hebrews 13.5. 
He is with us in the valley in the shadow of death. Psalm 23, he restores our soul. He showers us with gifts. Ephesians 1, 3, he never allows us to be tempted above all that we can be even, even bear. But he always makes a way of escape so that we can endure and go through it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Do you want me to go on? This is the same God that died for us, rose again, and by the way, is preparing a place for us, is coming back again one day to receive his church, to be with him. The Bible says in John 14, one day he will return this God of love to bring about his bride back to the reward that he purchased for us. When you come into the presence of God, don't come with your head down. He's the lifter of our head. He's redeemed us. We're sons and daughters, kings and priests. He's madly in love with every one of us. And no matter what you've done in your life, if you've come to Christ, you've been born again, you've been saved, you've been changed, you've been redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb, the love of God. Listen, that's the verse that challenges me. I want to see the exceeding abundant things above all that we can even ask or think. Amen. Praise the Lord. Would you stand with me? Just for a minute or two. I want us to do something that maybe some of us are not uh, you know, particularly conversant with, but in many nations across the earth, Africa, for instance, and um, India, if, if I said to the congregation, now let's all pray, they'd all pray. I mean, at once, it would be like a, it would be like a volume of prayer coming out of the church. And it's, it's kind of like Acts chapter 4. And I want us to do that just for a minute and pray for the nation. Pray for an awakening. Pray for the move of God. Pray for the breakthrough. Pray for the harvest. Would you do that? Now, I know you may be here for the first time and you may not be used to this. You don't need to do this then if, that, if that's a problem. But listen... And I know we Brits uh, are not like the Africans and we're not used to some of those. Things. We don't get too excited, do we? Apart from at football matches and music concerts and things like that. But some people have this idea that church has got to be all stayed. I'm going to ask you, if you feel free, if you feel that you can do this, let's begin to pray for the nation just for a moment or two and I'll lead us but you lift your voice and pray with us shall we do that together praise the Lord Father we thank you this morning in the mighty name of Jesus we pray for this nation oh God we pray for the outpouring of your love and your spirit upon the people we pray for those oh God Lord who are 
Lord, suffering at this time. Some don't know the way out. They're caught in addictions, drugs, and all kinds of things. Lord, some are mentally disturbed, but we pray. We pray for the people that you have made us part of. We ask you for this nation, oh God, that Lord, you will awaken people. You will awaken it again. Bless our government. Bless those in authority over us. Give them all the wisdom that they need at this time. And Lord, we pray for the revival that you promised to come into being. And we pray over this city, Lord. We pray for this city in the name of Jesus, that, oh God, as prayers go up, from all the churches that there will come a sense of the presence of God in our midst like never before in the streets of the city for the glory of God that Lord together we will rejoice and we will give you praise in Jesus name and everybody said an amen is the God He's the God of this city. Amen. Come on, Rich, lead us in that.